So let's get into our topic, Prophecy's Final Destination, and I want to invite you to bow your heads with me one more time so we invite God's presence and God's blessing upon our study. So let's pray. Father in heaven, we are grateful for what the Word of God has to teach us, and we would like to continue to learn from you and from your Word, and we are instructed to pray for the Holy Spirit. And we pray that you open our minds, give us understanding, and lead our study according to your will. And more important, touch our hearts with your grace. For we pray in Jesus' name, let everyone say, Amen. Amen. So let me share with you about uh, what the Bible has to say about heaven and paradise. Okay, so, but before we go there, I want to show you what is in the mind of different people groups out there about heaven or paradise beginning with teenagers usually not always of course I'm just saying out there um, they would say something like heaven man that's a pie in the sky out of there somewhere unreal man I can't fathom it maybe for a middle-aged woman doing her groceries in the store she would say something like heaven is a state of mind it's an inner peace. It is a state of calm. And more people are adhering to this kind of approach. You know, new age thinking and meditation and things like that. For a rich businessman, what is heaven for him? Heaven is my house. It's worth three million. My chariot is my Jaguar. And the angels are my kids. Some people would say the opposite about their kids. But anyway, <laughs> so... For a young man in college, he would say something like, Heaven is, are you so out of touch that you still believe in those fairy tales? And for an elderly couple who is hopefully enjoying their retirement, they would say something, We hope heaven is a real place. The older we get, the more we long for it. We just hope that what we were taught in our childhood is what, everyone? is true okay so you can see that there is a mixture about uh, having a you know a mixed feeling some people don't believe some people are confused some people are in the edge kind of shaken in their faith and we want to know what the word of God has to say about heaven let me remind you about one of the prophecies we study in our in our seminar and that was Daniel chapter 2 we saw this huge image, a metal image made of gold and silver, bronze, iron, and iron mixed with clay. And then we saw a stone cut out without the use of hand and destroy the whole image. We saw the interpretation there. Daniel said very clearly that it represented the kingdoms that would rule the world beginning in Babylon, going through Middle Persian, Greece, Rome, divided nations because Rome was eventually divided just as the tolls had ten tolls. You know, uh, Rome was divided in ten barbarian tribes. Now, can anyone guess what is that uh, yellow line right there below the head of the statue? Anyone? That represents when Daniel actually passed away. Okay, so Daniel received the interpretation of the dream when he was about 18, 19 years old. And he lived in Babylon for more than 60 years. 
And he was alive to see Babylon passing away and leaving during the time of the Middle Persian Empire. So he was able to see the fulfillment of the first part of the dream that he gave interpretation to the Nebuchadnezzar. But Daniel did not live long enough to see that all the other part of the interpretation would fulfill all the way through. So he didn't see Greece coming into scene and then the iron monarchy of Rome and then the Roman Empire being divided in ten parts, the modern nations of Europe today. He also said to the Mugnazar, and he didn't live to see this, but he will see it eventually. And in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom. What kind of kingdom? Which shall never, what everyone? Be destroyed. So let's remember that for those that are uncertain about these everlasting kingdom that God will establish. Friends, that kingdom will come just as much as Babylon pass away, just as much Middle Persian pass away, just as much Greece pass away, just as much Rome pass away, and was divided in ten barbarian tribes that gave orange to the modern nations um, of Europe. Therefore, friends, if it is in the Bible, I what, everyone? I believe it. If it disagrees with the Bible, it's not for me. And we're going to see what the Bible has to say about heaven. And we can be assured that heaven is real, that paradise is real, because God's word has shown uh, trustworthy through prophecy. Now, let me share this slide with you. I want you to read there, read along. It says, each of the prophets from Genesis to Revelation, the first book of the Bible all the way to the last book of the Bible, pointed men and women forward to what, everyone? New heavens and new earth. We are going to see that every single one of them has something to say about what God has prepared for those who give their hearts to him. And friends... You know, many of us are concerned with retirement, and I believe we should be, and we should plan for that. We should, um, you know, like make a, good decisions in our lives. But the reality is that whatever plans we have, safety is only found in the hands of God. God has shown that he has this world in his hands through that vision, for instance, in Daniel chapter 2, but many other visions. God has this world in his hands, and he can have your life also in his hands. Would you say amen for that? Most definitely, friends. And he talks about a retirement plan for you and for me. So let me show you, and I invite you to open up with me to the book of Revelation in chapter 21. That was where we found our scripture reading for this morning. So we're going to the last book of the Bible. And the 21st chapter, Revelation chapter 21. And I want you to see what it says in verse 1. The Bible says there, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. This is John who wrote the book of Revelation. And we've been exploring the book of Revelation, which goes along with the book of Daniel. And both books talk about a place that God is preparing for us that shall never pass away. Okay, so notice in 2 Peter, I have it here just for the sake of time. Let me read it for you. In 2 Peter 3.13, it says, Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, 
which cannot fail, friends. Look for new heaven and a new earth in which what dwells there, according to this verse? Righteousness dwells. The place that God is preparing for us to spend eternity is a place where there is safety, there is security, and as we are going to see, it's a place where death has no more place. And uh, just to situate ourselves, friends, let me share this with you. I know some of you are familiar. This is a quick review of uh, one of our studies that we had in our series. Jesus talked about two kinds of resurrection. How many kinds of resurrections, everyone? Two. One, the resurrection of life, and the other, the resurrection of condemnation. That's in John chapter 5. You can begin in verse 26. And we found out that those two resurrections, they are 1,000 years apart. How many years apart, everyone? 1,000 years apart. The first one, the resurrection of life, takes place when Jesus comes again in the clouds of heaven in these last days. But the second one only takes place after the 1,000 years. We also learned that during the 1,000 years, God's people will spend time where, everyone? In heaven. So that's what we read in the scriptures, that God's people will be 1,000 years in heaven. Why I'm saying this to you, friends, because when we talk about heaven and when we talk about paradise, we need to understand that God first takes his people to heaven for 1,000 years. And then after that 1,000 years, that paradise changes address. Changes what, everyone? address and we're going to see more of that in the book of revelation in chapter 20 and chapter 21 but that's what you have during those 1000 years god's people they are up there where they spend time understanding god's decisions to not save some people that perhaps we thought it should be there but they're not Okay, so god wants to make sure that he vindicates his decisions and bringing people to heaven and excluding some people from heaven and reserving them for the final destruction after the 1,000 years, the resurrection of condemnation. So God will try to vindicate, God will try to, what everyone? Vindicate himself during the 1,000 years before those that are there. And the book of Revelation in chapter 20 says that judgment was given to the saints. The apostle Paul says, don't you know that you are going to judge the angels and the world. And of course, it's talking about the falling angels, those that rebelled. The saints shall judge the world. The saints shall judge the angels, according to Paul. And the second epistle to the Corinthians, actually, is the first epistle to the Corinthians. Um, is it, the first? it is the first in chapter 6. Now, notice carefully here. Let's go to Revelation chapter 20. We are going to Revelation chapter 20. And I want to read with you what happens after the 1,000 years. We've been discussing about that, but uh, let's just read what the Bible has to say here. Notice carefully what the Bible says in verse 7. It says here, Now when the 1,000 years have expired, what happens with Satan? Satan will be released from his prison. And the reason for that is... The wicked will be resurrected after the 1,000 years, as we already discussed. And Satan will be able to go after them, to deceive them. And then he's released from his prison of circumstances. Okay, so notice carefully what he does as we read the next verse. 
And we'll go out to do what, everyone? Yes, to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog. And by the way, those two nations, they become a symbol of God's enemies. So he, they are here representing that these people that are deceived by Satan after the 1,000 years, they are enemies of God. Just like Gog and Magog in the Old Testament. And then it says, to gather them together to battle whose number is as the sand of the sea. You can even number the number of wicked people that will be raised from the dead which Satan will deceive after the 1,000 years. And then in verse 9 it says, They went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints. And the, what does it say next? The beloved city. How do you call that beloved city in the book of Revelation? The new Jerusalem. That's right. They surround the beloved city and they are planning to attack the beloved city. But what happened there? And fire came down from God out of heaven. And what is the next word, everyone? Devour them. So it's very clear that the wicked are destroyed and they are not going to be burned in hell forever and ever and ever. Okay? In fact, uh, the same chapter later says that hell was thrown into the lake of fire and was destroyed. The word hell means Hades, which is you know, uh, the grave, you know, so where the dead is, meaning there will be no more death. The grave is destroyed. Hades is destroyed. Hell is destroyed. Now, just for the sake of time, this is a review still. I want to share with you what we find in Malachi chapter 4, in verse 1 and then verse 3, concerning the destruction of the wicked. The Bible says, For behold, the day is coming, burning like a what, everyone? An oven. And all the proud, yes, all who do what kind of work? Wickedly will be stubble. And the day which is coming shall do what, everyone? Burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, that will leave them neither root nor branch. Friends, of course, this is a figurative language, but the language says very clear that the wicked will be completely destroyed. Of course, they don't have roots and branches, but this is a metaphorical language to say that God will destroy the wicked forever. Notice what it says here in verse 3. We read, you shall trample the wicked, for they shall be what if you want? ashes under the soles of your feet friends that's when we see Eden restored okay after the 1000 years we see this earth restored made new again okay we will see a new earth and new heavens everything will be new only after the 1000 years and again I'm showing you this so we can situate ourselves in the prophetic timeline so first we have the second coming of Jesus he takes God's people to where everyone to heaven for how long again? 1,000 years. What are they doing there for 1,000 years? They are primarily judging why the wicked did not make to heaven. And God will allow them to see the books so that he can vindicate his actions. So once he destroys the wicked and once he destroys all the fallen angels, no one will accuse God to have been unjust, unfair, okay? So everyone will be satisfied with God's decision. So after 1,000 years, the beloved city come down from heaven with the saints, and then what happens is the wicked are resurrected. Satan deceives them again, and they go to attack the city, and then fire comes down from heaven and destroys them. They understand perfectly why they're going to be destroyed. And we are going to see only after that a new heaven and new earth. And that's what we're going to be spending our time 
this morning, understanding what God has reserved for eternity, okay, in the new heaven and new earth. Don't forget, friends, Jesus himself says, the meek shall inherit what, everyone? The earth, okay, so the earth made new is actually the final destination for God's people throughout eternity, okay, so we are going to see, we are going to see, friends, this earth made new, and uh, of course, these pictures, they can, you know, just give us a glimpse of what God has reserved for his people, you know, a place where there is no pollution, a place where you know, there is no fear, no more death as we're going to explore this morning. A place where you find uh, fruits in the trees where you can harvest and enjoy what God has created. A place where even the animals are no longer afraid just like it was when Adam and Eve enjoyed the world before sin, before rebellion. When the animals came up to him and there was no death even among uh, the animals and the birds and all the creatures that God had made. Friends, when you remember back in Eden, before sin, there was love, joy, and what, everyone? Companionship, okay? Peace. You can add the word peace there. There's, there's no question about that. That was God's original plan for mankind. Never to go through suffering, never to go through pain, never to experience sickness, never to experience death. That was a God's original plan, but something happened along the way, and we know what was that. An intruder, that was Satan, using as a medium the serpent. An intruder suggested to Eve that sin would bring her greater, what if you want? Happiness than what? Obedience And the same voice is still speaking today in many different ways, friends. The serpent is still instilling doubt and questioning God's plan for humanity. And we see the dramatic scene that sin brought upon the earth. The sad drama of sin, not very far from Eden, we see that Cain killed his brother. The first murder, not very long after the rebellion. But praise God, we also see in the Bible a royal line of what if you want? Of faith. We see men that decided to take a stand on the side of God, friends, and keep the hope alive. Keep what alive, everyone? The hope. The hope of God restoring his intent for mankind once again. So let me give you a more specific example. We see, for instance, Abraham. And I want to invite you to go with me to the book of Hebrews. What book are we going now? Hebrews in chapter 11. That's in the New Testament, more toward the end of the Bible. So let's go to Hebrews chapter 11. And I want to read several verses in this chapter that talks about these men of faith that had a hope for something better that they knew that God was preparing for them. And friends, we can have the same assurance that they had. We can read, uh, you know, there about their faith and the assurance they had, and we can take hold of their faith as well and the promises that they held on to. So notice what it says in verse 10 about Abraham. The Bible says, For he waited for the city which has foundation, whose builder and maker is who, everyone? It's God. God has made a city. He has prepared a place which is for his servants. Now, let's remind ourselves of Moses. Stay there in Hebrews chapter 11. 
we find Moses as well that was a Hebrew boy but uh, his mother put him in the river so he wouldn't be killed by Pharaoh and then the daughter of Pharaoh found him and uh, eventually brought him up and he was in the line to be the next king of Egypt, the next Pharaoh. But friends, he decided to take a stand on the side of God, friends. And today, we also need to make the same decision he made. Let me take you to verse 24 to 26 in Hebrews chapter 11. Notice what it says concerning Moses. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, what is the next word, everyone? He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Why did he do that? Because he knew that in order to be the son of Pharaoh's daughter, and become the next Pharaoh of Egypt, he would have to compromise his faith. He would have to violate his conscience and do what he didn't believe and displease God in order to be able to survive in that system. Notice what it says as it goes on here. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of what, everyone? Sin. So the Bible says very clearly, friends, that sin can be pleasant, but just for a moment. It was pleasant for Eve, but just for a moment. And it has been pleasant for thousands of people and millions of people, but just for a moment. Friends, just think for a, for a moment here. Let's consider you know, a very small child that cannot actually process you know consequences and uh, you say listen you can have a cookie or some kind of candy right now or you can wait until next day and you can have that candy every single day of your life which one would they pick they probably would pick right now why they can't measure the consequences just, just thinking on the on the pleasure of the moment and lots of people are doing the same, but Moses said, no, I can't do that. There is a pleasure in becoming next Pharaoh and living in the palace. But you know what? I want to stay with the people of God. And what is your decision this morning, friends? Would you like to stay on the side of God's people? May that be our decision. So notice as the Bible continues to describe here the faith of Moses, steaming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he looked to the, what's the next word, everyone? Reward. So in other words, he had a hope that was before him. And that hope is what we are talking about this morning, friends. We are talking about what God has prepared for his people. Let me take you to verse 13 and 14 of the same chapter. And it's basically a statement concerning all these men and women of faith described in this chapter. It describes several of them. And notice what it says this uh, here in verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, the promise of a new city, the promise of resurrection. They didn't receive it. But having seen them afar off, how did they see this city afar off? How did they see the hope of resurrection afar off, friends? It was by faith. It was through faith in the promises of God. We can also see them, but not as far as they have seen because Time is running short, friends. 
So these all dying faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, and we can be assured of them as well. And then it says, embrace them and confess that they were strangers and pilgrims on, on earth, friends. This is not our final home. This is not our final destination. Notice what it says here, for those who say such things, declare. Notice this word declare here. I didn't highlight that for you, but I want to call your attention on that word. For those who say such things, declare plainly that they seek a homeland. In other words, when you look to the life of someone who believes that God is preparing a final destination for them, you can see that their lives is different. You can see that the way they plan their life is different. You can see that they have an eye single to the glory of God. Now, notice in verse 16, it doesn't end there. I want to read verse 16 with you. The Bible says, excuse me, verse 16, but now they desire a better. A better what, everyone? That is a heavenly country. Oh, there is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has, what is the next word, everyone? Prepared a city for you, my friends, and for me. Would you say amen for that? That promise is ours as well, just as much as it was for them. Now, friends, we can talk about heaven all morning long here, and whatever I say and whatever we read in the Word of God is just but a glimpse of how it's going to be like. And we should also add the word paradise because eventually all is transferred down here to this earth. We cannot fully comprehend. A famous passage is in 1 Corinthians 2, 9, which says, But as it is written, I has not sinned nor ears heard, nor have entered into the heart of a man the things which God has, what everyone? Prepared for those who love him. Friends, whatever you can think of heaven is not even half of actually what's going to be like. But yet we discuss about heaven because, you know, the word of God gave us a little window, a little, you know, glimpse of how, how uh, heaven and paradise is like and eternity will be like. But if you think of love, you can sing, think of, you know, the most precious thing you have on earth, it is still not even half of, of what's going to be like. Because heaven is not only a place. Heaven is a place where we have, as we're going to see, friends, we have fellowship and we have the presence of Jesus himself. We have, you know, the DNA of happiness and joy that will be instilled. And I say this in a figurative way, friends, but God will give happiness and joy and fulfillment to everyone. You can think of, you know, transparent fellowship that you have on this earth. There will be even greater, friends. Heaven's fellowship is closer. Notice. Revelation 21. Let's go back there to Revelation 21. We are going to the last book of the Bible. Again, and we're going to read a few verses there because now we're going to see more description of what God has prepared for his people throughout eternity. It begins at the second coming of Jesus, but guess what? It becomes more fully throughout eternity after the 1,000 years. And the reality is that 
during the 1,000 years, the joy will not be plain or complete. And there is a reason for that. We're going to explore more here to understand. So let's begin in verse 2 here in Revelation 21. The Bible says, Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Who prepared that city again? It says here it came from where? It came from God, prepared as a bride. Have you noticed this language before? Maybe some of you have read this chapter. But it says that the city is prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Friends, the day that a bride is probably the most beautiful in her life, or her life is the day of her wedding. And uh, God is trying to say in poetic language here that that city is so beautiful that it can be compared to a bride prepared for her husband. And then it says in verse 14, jump with me all the way to verse 14. 14 there is so much information there in these two last chapters. Friends, there are only two chapters in the Bible where there is no sin. And that is the first two chapters of the book of Genesis where we find uh, the creation story and Eden and, that, and also the last two chapters of Revelation. The last two chapters, you know, like the first two chapters in the Bible, the last two chapters in the Bible, there is no sin there, okay? And God is basically trying to send a message, I'm going to restore back the earth to its original state. Notice what we find in verse 14. Now... The wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of who, everyone? Of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. So let's meditate on that. The 12 apostles of the Lamb. Why the foundations of the city have their names? If you think about the disciples, we see that many of them, you know, like uh, probably all of them, I should say, they have their, their flaws. If you think of John and Peter, you know, their character, how they were, um, you know, what's the word I'm looking for here? It's the word impulsive. How they, they battle against anger and what the Lord was able to do in their lives. But friends, there is a message here. There is a message. Let's read this statement here. It says, these followers of Christ were people with their, what's the next word? False, but their names are on the foundations of the holy city and the question is why there is a message that no matter what's your background no matter what is your struggle god can through his grace prepare you for that city just as he prepared the apostles also that were men of flaws and limitations and sins just like we are because god is saying to us if they can make it so can who we make as well by God's grace, friends. Let's read verse 16. I want to talk about the gates of that city. And I want you to see what it says there. We are now in chapter 21 and verse 16. The Bible says, Three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. So how many gates altogether? Twelve gates, friends. Twelve gates. If you look to the ancient cities you will notice that the ancient cities had very few gates, and that was a way to monitor or prevent the enemies to come inside the city. But this city has many gates. God is sending a special message here, friends, for us. Heaven's goal is to get as many people in as possible. 
Friends, there is a place there for you. There is a place there for me. Wherever you are, you can make it in through one of those gates by the grace of God. The gates are open. And the gates are in every side saying, come. Meaning that it will come, you know, people will come from every place of this earth. From the east, from the west, from the north, and from the south. Everyone is welcome. All they have to hold on is God's grace. Notice what it says in verse 21, if you are in your Bible here in Revelation 21. In verse 21, it's still talking about those gates which are inviting people to come from everywhere. It says, the 12 gates were 12, what is the next word? Pearls. And I know this is unimaginable for us here on earth, but God will make a gate of pearl. How big that pearl is, we cannot even think. Each individual gate was one pearl. And the street of the city was of what, everyone? Pure gold-like transparent glass. Friends, the gates are made of pearl. In the Bible, if you study the parables of Jesus, Jesus is the pearl of great price. So the message is you can enter in the gate through Jesus Christ. Okay, so, and uh, we see that on the streets are gold there. It shows that God is a rich God, and no matter how much you struggle on this earth, if that was your lot, God will supply your needs throughout eternity. And just to think of the earth res restored, not only on the city, but the whole earth. The city will not encompass the whole world, but... The rest of the world outside of the city will also be available for God's people and will be restored. The beauty of Eden will be restored. Let's go with me to the book of Isaiah. I want to read there, and you're welcome to mark your Bibles, if you will, to Revelation 21. We will come back here, and I want to take you to the book of Isaiah, okay? So Isaiah chapter 35, and there are several prophecies in the Old Testament talking about what God has prepared for his people, what he wants his people to enjoy, and they all need to trust him and to make a commitment to follow him through his grace, through his power, not our, not our own strength. We are in Isaiah 35 and verse 1. Notice what it says here. The, what is the next word, everyone? The wilderness and the wasted land, excuse me, the wilderness and the wasted land shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice. And what is the next word, everyone? And blossom as the rose. That's how beautiful will be the planet Earth restored. And again, we tried to put pictures there just to, you know, sparkle our imagination, but. The reality is whatever we can imagine will surpass the beauty. Notice this question. What will our physical condition be in this new earth? You know, some people think uh, perhaps, you know, I will spend my eternity um, maybe as a spirit, not really having a body. And some people, they believe in reincarnation and uh, depending what you did on earth, you may incarnate as a dog or an animal or something like that. That's why you can't really do anything against animals. And I'm not, I'm not speaking against protecting the animals and so forth. But some people, they actually don't do anything bad to animals or, 
or even abstain from eating animals because they believe it can be a person that was reincarnated as an animal. Okay, so, but the Bible is very specific that Christ, when he resurrects his people, he will give us a body. I want to take you to the book of Philippians now. We are going back to the New Testament. And we are going to the book of Philippians in chapter 3 to see what the Apostle Paul has to say about our bodies after the resurrection. Notice carefully what it says here. We are in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. The Bible says, For our citizenship is in heaven. That's where it begins, okay, for a thousand years. And then as we saw, the holy city came down from heaven to this earth. We saw that in Revelation 21. For our citizenship it is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for who? For the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the second coming of Jesus, friends, that we're waiting for. And notice what happens at that event. Who will, what is the next word, everyone? Transform our lowly body or mortal body that it may be conformed to his, what kind of body? His glorious body. Friends, when Jesus resurrected on the third day, he resurrected with a glorious body, an immortal body, exempt from disease and death friends the disciples met with jesus the disciples ate with jesus after his resurrection and we are going to have a glorious body just as jesus when he was resurrected from the dead one of the disciples of jesus when she came in the tomb she recognized that it was jesus through the intonation of his voice you know, some of the disciples were with Jesus walking and uh, not recognizing it was him and studying prophecy with him, but eventually they recognized through his manners. Friends, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, For now we see in a mirror, dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, and whatever we study, we will only know in part. But then I shall know just as I also am what, if you want? None. So don't worry if you perhaps you have lost or you have not lost uh, your grandma, let's say, or your um, someone that is up in age and you say, this person will probably be young again. How will I recognize him or her? The Bible says, I shall know just as I also am known. Somehow the Lord will preserve our main characteristics God wants to transform a heart of sin, but he doesn't want to transform the good things about us, our personalities and, and special things that we possess. He wants to keep just as it is. He loves us, friends, and he wants to spend eternity with us. We are going to recognize one another. We will recognize one another by our unique mannerisms, voice intonations, individual personalities. Back in Isaiah 33, there is another prophecy there concerning what God has prepared for his people. And I'm reading verse 24. Isaiah 33, verse 24 says, And the inhabitants will not say, I am what, everyone? I am sick. There is no sickness there, friends. The people who dwell in it will be forgiven their iniquity. Yes, a glorious body, exempt from sickness, exempt from aging, exempt from death. Would you say amen for that? 
That's all for us. If you just turn a page in chapter 35, verse 5 and 6, notice the beauty here. Then the eyes of what kind of people? Of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of who? Of the deaf shall be unstopped. Verse 6 says, Then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the dumb shall what? shall sing friends all these promises is for you and for me and we can take hold by faith in God's grace there's joy and happiness everywhere in heaven families restored friends notice what it says in Revelation 21 if you marked your Bible you can easily go there with me to Revelation 21 and we're reading verse 4 now which says and God will what is next two words friends Wipe away what? Every tear from their eyes. Only after the 1,000 years, God says that he will wipe away every tear. Because during the 1,000 years, friend, there will be some sadness as we open up the books and understand why certain people that we thought it should be there are not there. And friends, imagine also after the 1,000 years when the wicked are resurrected for the resurrection of condemnation, they understand why they are, they are lost. And we see people who we cared about and love, but we know that they are still holding on unto sin. And they wouldn't be happy in heaven anyway or in paradise. When fire comes down from heaven, there will be tears, friends. But it's only after the 1,000 years that God says that he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. There shall be no more four things, friends. No more what, everyone? Death. No more what? Sorrow. Nor crying. There shall be no more what? Pain. For the former things have passed away. Friends, I want to be there. How about you? A place where death, sorrow, crying, pain, forever. What, everyone? gone friends that's a place i want to be that's a place where we should plan for our retirement and that's what god is planning for us and he's inviting us he made sure there was enough gates for you to enter and he made sure you understood that those gates are of pearls symbolizing christ as the way to the father jump to chapter 22 you just go a chapter over in verse 1 the bible says and he showed me a pure river of water of life river of water of life friends you can take of that water you don't need filters anymore you don't need to treat the water anymore pure water available and it's the water of life which again points to Jesus satisfying our every need, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and the Lamb. Friends, if you study, I don't have time to go through the verses with you, but if you study the dimensions of the city, you will see that this river is coming from the throne of God, friends, and the throne is up high. There will be actually a waterfall and a river right before the throne of God. It will be beautiful. Notice in verse 2, it says, In the middle of its street, and I want you to pay attention now in the language of the verse, it says here, And on either side of the what, if you want? The river. Did you notice? In either side of the river was how many trees? How many trees? One tree. So the tree is growing on either side of the river. I don't know how wide that river is, friends. 
But in Revelation chapter 4, that same river that comes from the throne of God is called a sea of glass. Last time I checked, the sea is something huge. Are, you, are we together? So we have here this tree. And of course, if it is one single tree with the trunk coming on both sides of the river, they are connected with the roots under the, under the river, friends. And what happens? Then they are connected on the top as well. It's one tree, it says it says here, it bore how many fruits? Twelve fruits. Twelve fruits in one single tree. And then it says, each tree yielding its fruit every month, the leaves of the tree were for what, everyone? Amen. The healing of the nations. Friends, God believes in, in uh, prevention. How about you, friends? He provides the water of life. He provides the fruits of the trees. He provides also the leaves of the trees for the healing of the nations. And I believe there, even though we are glorified, we are going to grow to the stature that God originally intended to mankind. Notice what we find here. We will be, what does it say there? Read it with me. Loved by God. What else? Cherished by God. Embraced by God. Satisfied by God. In Isaiah 11, verse 9, it says, They shall not, what's the next word? Hurt nor destroy. Therefore, friends, there will be no healing, no murder in heaven as well. There will be no destructions, no war. It's a place of peace in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That's how much knowledge of God there will be there where there will be no more war, but peace. Heaven is a real place, friends, a real place. In Isaiah 65, verse 17, I just want to kind of speed here. Excuse me if I'm not giving you time to go there, but in Isaiah 65, verse 17, it says, For behold, I create, what everyone? New heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be, what everyone? remember or come to mind and I don't think that God will just erase our memories of what happened on earth like what we were before we met Christ and how we gave our lives and how he transformed our lives and, and the children we had the spouse we had I don't think that will be the case but I think it will be as such a you know a marvelous place that we will not actually be bringing back those memories they want to stay behind we want to move forward friends in eternity that's how much um, is awaiting for us. Notice the same chapter 9, verse 21, 22. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. Friends, you can expect there, if you like building, to build there. You can expect to do gardening there. Lots of exercise and exposure to sun. So notice what it says. They shall not build in another inhabit. Uh, we already read that one, right? So, for as the days of a tree, so shall be the days of my people. And my elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. What about fellowship and friends? Notice what we find. And I want you to go there. This is a nice verse that I want you to see here in the book of Matthew. What Jesus said about fellowship in heaven. Friends, mankind was made to have fellowship. Mankind was made to socialize, and God is 
preparing lots of fellowship for his people as well. Notice Matthew 8, verse 11, it says, And I say to you that many will come from the east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of, of heaven. But the greatest fellowship besides those who we love and interacted here on earth, it will be fellowship with Jesus himself. You know, the Bible says that the God will transition the capital of the universe to this earth when he brings down the holy city, the new Jerusalem. And there we can spend time with Jesus. And friends, make no mistake, millions of people can be saved, but you are unique in the sight of God. There is no one like you, and he wants you to be there. Notice what we find in the book of Revelation 22. So let's go back to Revelation 22 quickly here. And that shows the ones that will be there, of course, through God's grace. But notice their characteristics. So I put Isaiah here. I didn't change in the slide, but it should be Revelation 22, verse 14. Blessed are those who, what if you want? Do his commandments that they may have the rights to the tree of life and may enter through what everyone? The gates into the city. So by God's grace, our lives can be transformed day by day. And back in Isaiah 66, verse 23, from one Sabbath to another, all flesh shall come to worship before me, says the Lord. That's how special is the Sabbath for God. It's a special that he spends with his people. And guess what, friends? When the Sabbath come and you come to the holy city, you're not going to hear Pastor Giancarlo preaching. You're going to hear Jesus speaking. Would you say amen for that? Amen. And he's inviting this morning, friends. He's inviting each one of us. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with man and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. Friends, that's the promise we have. And uh, I, made an, I make an appeal here this morning that we all plan to be there because that's definitely something we don't want to miss. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.